Welcome to the My Faith Votes podcast. I'm Megan West. On today's episode, we're talking with Pastor David Platt. He's the lead pastor at McLean Bible Church in Washington, D.C., as well as the founder of Radical. In today's conversation, we're talking about Pastor Platt's new book called Before You Vote. It's a very helpful book that asks seven different questions that Christians can wrestle with before we approach the voting booth. Join us for this insightful conversation with Pastor David Platt. Well, this book is perfect timing. Obviously, we're just weeks away from the presidential election. And you say in your book, it's really seven questions that every Christian should be asking before we vote. And there was a circumstance about a year and a half ago that took place that kind of prompted you to write this book. And some people may be familiar with it, but explain what happened at your church and just the ramifications of what happened after that. Yeah, so at the end of a kind of what I thought was going to be a normal day uh, of worship uh, with our church family, at the end of our last service, we have a one o'clock service, last service in the afternoon. Um, At the very end, I'm about to close the service out without going into all the details. And somebody pulls me backstage and said, hey, the president is on his way here. He's going to be here in in a couple of minutes. Uh, Would you be willing to pray for him on stage? He was a representative of the White House. Um, and a couple of our pastors backstage. So I, I said, uh, yes, I mean, all kinds of thoughts went through my mind. We do everything we can as a church in Metro Washington, D.C. to make sure it's clear that our unity is around Jesus, not around political party or candidate, but uh, yeah, around the gospel. And so, but First Timothy 2, 1 through 6 is really clear about praying for leaders of our government. And so I said, yes. Uh, long story short, prayed for the president that day on stage. And uh, in the aftermath of that, uh, a lot of different uh, things started flying back and forth on social media. And I was really concerned for our church family to know, all right, here's what happened. Here's why I decided to do that and uh, and just explain what had happened. So I wrote uh, something to our church family to explain just what had happened and posted that the next morning. Well, that led to a real social media firestorm because then people were saying I had apologized for praying for the president, which I had not done. Um, Other people saying that I endorse everything the president says or does, which I don't do. So all that to say in the end, and, and we walked through that week as a church and the following Sunday, and it was really awesome just to see the way the gospel united us together. And we were reminded that it's Jesus who brings us together as a church. But as I looked at the church culture around me, us in this country, I just couldn't help but to conclude that we're, we're pretty sick. Uh, and by that, I mean this toxic political climate that uh, characterizes our country the church is not immune to it. And just different people were going back and forth, uh, not just to me, but each other on different thoughts. And I, and I thought we just have a, a lot of room to grow in guarding our unity together in the gospel and in Christ, even as we have some different views on right. uh, political positions, political candidates, parties. And so as we were approaching this election season, I was just burdened to one, I, I want to help 
the people I pastor glorify God with everything they do, whatever you do, whatever you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So I want to do that in every facet of life. And then with something so prevalent as we're what we're walking through now, I want to help people think through how do I glorify God with my with my vote? And then second, and well, I wouldn't even say second, as a part of that, how do we make sure that even when we have some different views about different things, which we will often have when it comes to politics, right. how do we make sure to be eager in a Ephesians 4, 3 kind of way to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? Like how do we guard the unity of the church and make sure it's clear as the church fundamentally we're not for this candidate or that candidate like fundamentally we're for jesus and we want to glorify him and we want to make him known in a world around us that needs what no presidential candidate or party could ever ever give so i i wrote this book really out of a desire to shepherd our church family in the middle of metro washington dc but in hopes that maybe it would be helpful beneficial to followers of christ well, and that's what I really love about this book is it gives you a very different perspective of looking at politics because it's so easy just to see the news and social media. And then as we are trying to be faithful Christians of selecting our leaders and not getting caught in the fray of the just the divisiveness to keep that main thing, the main thing, as our friend um, Pastor Vance Pittman would say, because this really is bigger than what just we look at the voting booth. But I think you guide us so helpful in this book because you say government is ordained by God. And so we have a responsibility to help pick our leaders who really affect how the people function around us. Speak to that a little bit more in the context of a Christian who may say, well, I'm just stepping back. I don't want to participate in this because it's too messy. It's too divisive. Hmm. Yeah, that's why the first the first question I dive into in this book is, does God call me to vote? And I mean, the challenge is we don't have a verse in the Bible where we are commanded to vote, um, mainly because there weren't democratic elections in uh, Old Testament, New Testament times. But we do have a clear picture of stewarding the unique and different graces God has given us for his glory. And I, I would call the privilege we have of voting in a representative democracy as a grace given by God. It's it's something that our first century uh, forefathers in the faith didn't have and men and women didn't have then that many brothers and sisters around the world in North Korea, for example, don't have now. But we do. We have an opportunity to, uh, when we think of the clear commands we do have in the Bible to love God with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourselves, like one of the ways we love our neighbors is by working for their good. And one of the ways we can work for their good by God's grace is voting to elect leaders and uh, with a view toward policies and practices that are going to be good for the people in our nation and for that matter, for people beyond our nation. So we have a unique grace that we must steward. And so that's the whole first chapter of this book is trying to encourage people to think through, okay, then how are you going to steward this grace that you've been given from God? Well, and you even make a statement, and I love this, as governing citizens, we are accountable before God, before the good of the people affected by our government. I mean, that's a, that's a very bold statement to really take that responsibility of voting seriously. It's not just for a personality. This is for the good of those around us. Speak that's to right. that a little bit. Yeah, because that that's a picture we definitely see throughout throughout the Bible is, okay, leaders are accountable to God for how they govern and the effects of their governance. 
Well, obviously not every one of us is in political office, but because of the role we have in our vote, we have uh, not only opportunity, but a responsibility before God to steward that vote. So we are, I mean, government of the people, by the people, for the people, like we are the governing in that sense. And so I, I would say, and it's one of the things that kind of dive into in the book, that we have a responsibility before God to work for good, to work for justice, to work for mercy, to work for the benefit of people around us. And one of the ways we do that is by using our vote and by stewarding that vote ultimately for God's glory, but for the good of people in our country. That's a responsibility God's given us. Absolutely. And and it takes due diligence to be able to thoughtfully go into the voting booth. We at My Faith Votes talk a lot about pray first, think well about the issues, learn about the candidates, and then show up to vote. But uh, how do we weigh the issues? Because there's so many different issues and Christians can go, well, there's a very set standard that we should be looking at. But other Christians may say, well, we need to think about these other issues too. Kind of the, the first primary issues and the secondary issues. How do we approach those? And you kind of give a little formula in your book about that. Yeah, that's that's one of the big questions. And I love the way you even phrase that, uh, because I think one of the important things we need to acknowledge is that different Christians are who believe the Bible are going to weigh different issues differently. And uh, so so one of the things walk through in the book is in any election, there are tons of different issues, particularly a presidential election. There are so many different issues on the table. And to your point, what you all say at, at My Faith Votes, like, so let's look at all those issues from an informed perspective and informed primarily from God's word. Yeah. Uh, we want God's word to drive the way we think about these things and and then to put on the table, okay, how, how do I think we can best honor God and his word in these different ways, knowing like any political candidate, any political party in this world is going to be imperfect, that uh, it's going to be pretty unlikely that one candidate is like perfectly aligned with God's word. Another candidate is totally opposed to God's word in every single way. So we've got to then take all those issues. What does the Bible say about, about them? And then weigh them in terms of the, the practical consequences. If I vote this way, what as best as I can tell is going to happen. If I vote that way, as best as I can tell what's going to, what can I have, what's going to happen. And I think it's really good when Christians can have healthy conversations about those things where we're not all going to agree exactly on how we'd weigh this or that, but we're going to have a freedom based on, so we're all holding fast to scripture. Like we don't want to, uh, you know, in any way, back away from God's word. We want to hold tightly to God's word, but then think through these different issues. So that's by the end of the book, what I what I try to do is help people think through, kind of walk through that process of identifying issues and weighing them in light of what the Bible says in a way that I hope can can help people have more confidence when casting a ballot to say, okay, I know this person is not perfect. Uh, this Party's not perfect, whatever it might be, but as best as I can discern, based on God's word and the leadership of the spirit, this is where I think, this is what I think would be best uh, for our country based on what I've seen in God's word and then trying to apply it in my life. 
Right. And, and having the perspective also that, yes, this is a presidential election year, but there are still 100,000 elections taking place mm-hmm. from the federal to the local level where we have so much impact. So while we focus on the president, we also need to pay attention to what's happening around us locally. And I mean, you're in Washington, D.C., so you have a lot going on there. Yeah. Explain how you kind of view your perspective there. Well, I'd say, I mean, there's a sense in which, yes, to your point, like, presidential election is is particularly important in a variety of different ways. But I think about um, this last year, well, a year ago at this time when um, there were some school board elections happening in our area. And there were some very significant issues when it comes to sexuality um, in schools. And, uh, and so it was, I think, really important for us as a church family to acknowledge, okay, there are some very serious issues that the Bible speaks to that affect the way we think in in an election like this. And so for all the reasons we've already talked about, God's given us grace, we have opportunity, we have responsibility to work for the good of children and schools around us. And so how do we steward our vote toward that end? I think one of the, the things that I really wanna be careful for as, careful of as a pastor is to make sure to help people think through what the Bible says, but not go beyond what the Bible says and help people think through what the Bible says about a variety of things, not just the issues that I'm more inclined to think of first. And so that's, that's a challenge pastorally. I I wouldn't say I'm perfect at it, but I, I want to aim towards showing how the Bible speaks to all kinds of issues in the world around us and yet not go beyond what the Bible says. And and to the point where I'm saying, so you should support this policy or that policy. If I don't have like clear instructions from God to say that, then I don't need to be saying that on behalf of God. Right. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because we get that question a lot as far as people saying, I wish my pastor would speak more into these issues Or we get the other side saying, I wish my pastor would stay out of these issues because we don't want politics in church. But whether we realize it or not, we're affected by political decisions every day from the water we drink to the electricity we turn on in our home. And those are chosen by our elected officials. But at the same time, like you said, there are clear defining issues from the Bible that aren't necessarily being preached on in the church, such as abortion marriage, gender, what do you say to those people who, I guess, are, are not quite sure how to approach their pastor to to say, can you speak on these issues from a biblical worldview? Yeah, I, I would just start by saying I, I was there for years as a pastor. I said abortion, for example, that's a political issue. Like I just, I don't, I don't feel like I should or need to touch that. And I was just convicted uh, basically studying to preach Psalm 139. Wait a second. This is not a, far before this is a political issue. This is a biblical issue. Like God has spoken to this clearly in his word. And I just had to repent of my uh, yeah, lack of faithfulness to proclaim his word on such a significant issue that's affecting the lives of so many people, children being formed in God's image. So that's one example. Marriage, as you mentioned, will be a similar example. Like God has spoken clearly on that. That's a biblical issue far before it's a political issue. And there are other issues like that. I think about, well, here's another example. I use this in the book um, where the Bible clearly speaks about all throughout the Old Testament, specifically 
God speaking to his people about care for the sojourner, um, which could be like looked at basically like we think of immigrant today. So God cares for the sojourner. That's in his word. So I want to be clear on that. However, the Bible doesn't say, okay, so then this should be the immigration policy for the United States. And this should be how many uh, citizens should be allowed in from all kinds of questions that are very much a part of the complex political debate in our country right now. So I don't have authority to speak to those things. I have authority, though, to say as a pastor, the Bible says God cares for the sojourner. And so how does that play out in our lives as the church? And then let's let that affect the way we then think about these political issues, knowing we're going to come down on different pages. So that's where my encouragement would be, especially so somebody who's in a church and would, well, either way, would like their pastor to speak more mm -hmm. on some of these things or would like their pastor to speak less. I would encourage you to think, okay, is my pastor saying what's in the Bible? And if he's saying more than what's in the Bible, then maybe, obviously this is dependent on level of relationship you have with a pastor, but maybe to say, hey, can can we like focus on what's clear in God's word? Or if they're maybe not speaking, like, for example, like I was avoiding abortion to say, like, pastor, in humility, like, this is a biblical issue. And I see it's very important to the heart of God and what he's doing in the mother's womb. Like, so how, how can we maybe address that because it's driven from God's word and not take it to where, okay, so that means this or that, where we're starting to apply it to this or that policy in ways that are not clearly directly linked from God's word. That's that's a tough line to walk, but it's we need to to walk it um, because we can't we can't turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to the pressing issues in the culture around us, whether they are uh, abortion, marriage, issues of sexuality, issues of racism, issues of immigration. So uh, care for the poor, all these different things like we need to show what does the Bible say and then encourage good Christian conversation, even in our churches where people are going to agree to disagree on how to put God's word into practice. Absolutely. Well, you've got seven questions that are so helpful to work through as we approach the election in just a few weeks. And um, any advice for those watching just who are struggling, maybe even to go, oh, I just don't know. I'm just going to pray about the elections. I'm not going to show up and vote. What advice would you give to them? Uh, I, I would encourage you, yes, pray, for <laughs> sure pray. Um, that's one of the things we're uh, actually releasing like a 31-day month-long prayer guide along with the book uh, that's that's coming out just to encourage. Like that's without question the great need we have during these days. It's just the greatest need we have is the mercy from God. And so to seek Him. So yes, pray. And then realize much of what we talked about, like God has given us by his grace opportunity and responsibility to steward a vote so how can we best how can you best steward your vote like that's where i, I don't think I, I i walked through in the first chapter of this book how okay there's there's not a clear command where i would say you have to vote because it says it in this verse um but i i do think with the grace and belief with based on all the bible teaches with the grace we've been given that we we can't be lazy with this grace and just sit back and soak it in. And when we have an opportunity to work to affect the good of people around us through our vote, 
then how can we best steward that vote? And how can we think through? So all the different, so it is, it's challenging to think through all these issues and to think, okay, I want to make an informed, wise decision that glorifies God. And I'm just convinced that every single follower of Christ can come to that point with a clear conscience before God, not knowing like in an imperfect, sinful world, where there's always going to be, it's one of the things I walk through in the book, there's going to be compromises, competing injustices, um, but there is a way. That's that's what I say in the very beginning. My, my hope is that by the end of this book, um, that people would be able to, when they cast a ballot, to do so with deeper love for Jesus and trust in Jesus than we've ever had with a countercultural unity in the church where we have not divided from other brothers and sisters in ways that God has not called us to divide from one another. And with a clear conscience before God that says, I'm, I'm going to vote this way. I pray to your glory. And I think be able to walk away from that ballot box uh, or having sent it in or whatever it might be saying, okay, I'm stewarding God's grace for God's glory. Amen. Absolutely. Well, we talk a lot about Galatians 6.10 at My Faith Votes. It says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to those. And so we, we frequently say, do good, go vote, just to think about it differently. And like you said, keep the bigger picture um, that this really, we need to walk away glorifying God and not getting caught in the weeds of the divisiveness of what's around us. But prayer, it's the most important thing. Would you close our time in prayer and just praying for our country, praying for Christians as they wrestle with these big issues as they show up at the voting booth? Yeah, I would absolutely love to do that. Uh, God, I, I pray. So many different things come to my mind. I, I pray for every single person listening right now. I want to I pray those things that I've set out to write this book for, but just for even them right now, I pray that they would increase in their love for you during these days, their trust in you. We are so thankful that our trust is not in the candidates put before us or the parties around us. Our trust is not even in the future of this country. We're, we're citizens of heaven and we just, we praise you as the one we have put all our trust and all our hope in. I just pray that you would draw us during these days in a deeper trust and love for you, deeper love for one another in the church. God, I pray for unity around Jesus and his word in your church, that you would help us to maintain the unity that you've, you've bought for us, you've made possible for us, Jesus, in a very divisive political climate. And that you would help every single person listening right now, and myself, Megan, help us to glorify you with our vote. Help us to glorify you with the way we steward this grace you've given us. And God, we, we pray for our country. We pray for hearts that are softened toward you and your word. And we pray that more than anything else, even during these days, we're talking a lot about politics, may Jesus and the gospel be first on our lips. And may you draw people to eternal life through Jesus, through our lives during these days. Help us to see that as infinitely more important. And, and God, we pray for the spread of your gospel in our country far more than anything else during these days. We love you, God. We praise you as our King. 
And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the book is called Before You Vote. You can find it on Radical.net. You can find it on Amazon, any booksellers. I highly, highly recommend it, especially the last two paragraphs of the book. I'm not going to read it because I don't want to give it away, but it just gives great perspective on the book. So, Pastor Blatt, thank you. We'll be praying for you. We'll be praying for the country. Thanks, Megan. And thank you for all you guys are doing. Just really, really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you and we just love that you're a friend of my faith vote. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with Pastor David Platt. For more information on his book, Before You Vote, check out Radical.net or visit any online bookstore. For more information about My Faith Votes, visit MyFaithVotes.org today.